You can be seated for just a second. I want to run a couple of things uh, by you. If you did not grab a handout when you came in, in just a minute, when I ask you to welcome one another, I want you to take take a minute, go out to either the front lobby or out here and grab yourself uh, one of these handouts so that you can have the information of all the things that are are going on. Uh, You may not realize it because Sean does such a great job of of cleaning our facilities, but we've had between 50 and 75 students in here all week. Uh, The backstage theater group was here yesterday. Uh, They'd been practicing and rehearsing, and in six days they put together this incredible show. It was just a ton of fun, and if you missed it, you're going to have opportunities this fall because they're going to come back and do some things, and hopefully they'll even do the camp again next uh, next year. No pressure, Jen, but you have to you have to do it here. Um, if you really love Jesus, you'll do it here. I'm just saying. But your call. I'm just that's you know that's up to you. Um, couple of things in the handout that I just want to point your attention to. The care effect. Uh, this past Wednesday night, we did some beach cleanup, and, and that was a lot of fun. You get a lot of strange looks when you're walking down the beach carrying trash bags, but you got a lot of opportunities when you do that as well. Students, students, uh, all grades 6 through 12, next Sunday, uh, next Sunday, we're going to do lunch after church, and then we're going to walk over to the Millers for a pool party. Uh, Christy has uh, graciously volunteered. Steve and his home uh, to to have a pool party at their house. We've been having several guests each week, more families that are coming, several families that have these students that we just want to give them a chance to get to know one another uh, as we continue to build the student ministry that God is bringing to us. So next week, uh, we're going to be doing that. I want to highlight that couple things. If you were interested, last week we introduced this idea of mentoring over at Hoover. Uh, my, my, I have a goal in mind, and I have a, the spiritual gift of underestimating God, but I do have a goal in mind of what I'd like to see our church do as far as providing mentors for Hoover Middle School. Am I pointing in the right direction? Okay, good. That's probably the first step to encouraging people to do this, is knowing where the school is. Um, But I want to encourage you, if you'd be willing to be a part of this Hoover mentoring, all I'm going to ask you to do, we want to get more information to you. If if you're willing to say, I'm willing to to talk about being a a mentor, Karen is up, we're going old school, Karen is down here on the front row with a legal pad. All I need is your name and a piece of contact information. It might be your email, it might be a cell phone, I just need your name and a piece of contact information. I'm going to lead the way. I'm the first one. I'm definitely going to be a mentor for Hoover this year, so put me down. If you would be willing to do that, I want you to come down here. Other thing that we're doing this summer is we're providing school supplies for our preschool, the elementary school, and Hoover Middle School. You'll see that on the handout as well, what we're collecting. Guys, I want to so overwhelm them with our support that they don't know what to do with themselves. These buckets began during VBS. I'm going to keep them because I just want it to continue to overflow. Doesn't mean you have to go all out and buy everything at once. Just put something in your grocery cart or in your Walmart cart when you're passing through your normal stuff and just add it as you can. This is over and above our tithes and our offerings as we overwhelm these people with God's love through tangible ways and resources. That's a lot of information all at once. 
Try to remember it, do what you can. In just a minute, I'm gonna give you three, two, one. You're gonna greet one another, but if you're willing to mentor, I want you to come down here and I want you to give Karen your name and one piece of contact information. Then we're gonna get you more information about how we can be a part of Hoover Mentoring. All right, it's time to find at least 47 people that you have not seen since you walked in this room. 47 people, let them know what you've been doing this summer. On your mark, find somebody you don't know, get set. Welcome everybody around. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why are you looking at the camera? Oh, okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lay down in green matches. He makes me in quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know it will bring your with me. Your rod and your staff, they come with me. Surely, surely, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now my head, you anoint my head with oil. Surely, my cup. My cup, okay. My cup overflows. Surely, yes. Surely, goodness will follow me all the days Surely of my life. goodness and love. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord So we had a little bit of a bulb and, and projector issue last week, and we weren't able to see that, so we wanted to show it again, mainly because my favorite, my favorite part of the whole thing is the <laughs> and the fact that she doesn't get it. It's just that little spit right there, but I think that's so great. All right, we're going to send our preschoolers this way, our preschoolers this way. While our preschoolers are doing this, parents of preschoolers, on August 1st, starting August 1st, you will check in your, your children before the service. They will be back there the entire time. Let me applaud our preschool parents who have, as we have just continued to come out of COVID. Yeah, go ahead and give it up for our preschool parents. We recognize that sitting with your preschoolers, even during the worship part, can be a little challenging. And you're looking at me because I use the word little and you want to throw things at me and that's okay. Um, we know that can be a little challenging, but starting August 1st, uh, you check in your preschoolers before the worship hour. All right, our kindergarten, first and second graders are going to head over here with Miss Tammy and with Miss Christy, and if you're grades three, four, and five, uh, Cadence is going to be down here. So kindergarten, first and second graders are going to go that way. Three, four, and five, come get your packets from down here. Everybody else, turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 20. Psalm 23. Preschoolers went that way. Kindergarten, first and second graders are heading with Miss Tammy and Miss Christy. Three, four, and five are coming up here. Even though it's the summer, we are still having really strong groups. If you can imagine what the fall is going to be like when folks stop traveling, I say that to say this. We need to birth some more preschool classes on Sunday mornings. We need to give uh, those ladies and guys that are serving, uh, we need to go ahead and start creating some rotations and in the other elements as well. Uh, K1 and 2, 3, 4, and 5. If you uh, have a bent for kids, let me kind of back up and slow down. 
because I know I talk fast sometimes, the way that we have approached it, a lot of churches will say, if you're a parent and you have a kid in the children's ministry, you automatically have to be in the rotation. I realize that when you do things like that, you often put square pegs in round holes. I'm a parent, I have children, but you don't want me in the preschool every week. Now, does that mean that I don't need to step up at certain times and be a part? Absolutely. I need to know that because I'm a parent, I, I need to jump in. But that's not my giftedness. If you want to know where my giftednesses are, I, I need to be in front of a choir. I need to be on the platform. Or I need to be with middle school students. Uh, those are where my heart beats and my, some of my giftedness lies. You don't want me uh, in the preschool area. You're, you may not even want me with the children. I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm just, you know, but, but as a parent, I do need to be ready to jump in. And so we have, we have not made this rule or requirement that because you're a parent, you have to be in the rotation. But in order to keep that like that, we need other folks to step in, parents included, if that is your giftedness, if that is what you are passionate about. We also need some folks to start stepping up and serving in our student ministry. I mentioned earlier about the pool party at the Millers next week. We're doing that again because God is starting to send more and more families with students. We had several of them on this platform last night. That was one of the reasons uh, that, that I knew that was a no-brainer to host that group because hopefully as we continue to do things like that, as we continue to do things like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Power Camp, God will use those types of things as we reach out and to serve our community. God will, uh, God will draw people to us and our student ministry is, I'm not hoping anymore, it is growing. And we need to be ready to disciple those young people as they go out into our community to, to be witnesses uh, in their schools and to be servants in their schools. So we need the body of Christ to jump up and serve in different capacities as God may be calling you. So when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, what we try to do is we try to do it in rotations so that nobody bears the burden of every week. We want teams, we want rotations, we want to make sure that people also can do the things that God's called them to do in other areas of life as well. But as you hear the Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you will be obedient as we continue to watch all of these areas grow. And you may be saying, why are the preschoolers been in here for this long? It's because ever since last year, we've been trying just to take steps as we could. We've just been trying to take steps as we've been able to come out of COVID, stay safe, stay healthy, but continue moving forward as God has honored us by bringing folks to our faith family and to what he, the mission that he has called us to. Last week, we, we started off um, uh, our journey through Psalm 23. We've been spending our summer in the Psalms uh, just trying to emphasize how valuable knowing God's Word is. This morning, as we, re as we continue in Psalm 23, we're actually going to look at, uh, we're going to start off by briefly looking at the two Psalms surrounding it, Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. Uh, if you're new to Bible study, Psalms is one of the largest sections of the Bible. If you haven't found it already, you just kind of open up to the middle. If you're looking, still looking for Psalm Psalm 23, it's on page 483 in the Bibles and the chairs around you. And let me pause and say this. If you don't have a Bible in your home, 
take one of these with you. That's what they're for. We can replace the Bibles in our chairs. If you want a Bible in your home, feel free to take one with you. If you have a neighbor who you know uh, does not know the Lord or doesn't have a Bible in their home, take one of the Bibles with you and gift it to them. We can always put more Bibles in our chairs. You make sure you use these as the instruments and the tools that they were meant to be. Um, I want to give us a little bit of context of Psalm 23 today. It's, it's in the middle of three songs, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. They come together as sort of what some scholars call the Good Shepherd Trilogy, and they come together to give us three particular perspectives or purposes of salvation. Uh, they are talking about salvation. Dr. Jerry Rankin, who uh, was the uh, president of the International Mission Board, part of being a Southern Baptist church is we are aligned with several different organizations that fall under the Southern Baptist Convention. One of those is the International Mission Board, which allows us to support 4,000 missionaries that are all around the world. Dr. Jerry Rankin used to be the president of the International Mission Board, and he wrote this past uh, January's winter Bible study for Lifeway. And in it, he says this, Salvation means that Christ, God himself, is in us, living our life for us. We know that's true because Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Salvation means that Christ, God himself, is in us, living our life for us. Our new life is a transformed life. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed formed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know the perfect and pleasing will of God. Our new life is a transformed life that reflects the nature and the image of Christ. We miss the essence of salvation when we see it only as an historic event in our life when our sins were forgiven or if it's no more than a past affirmation of our faith that assures us of getting to go to heaven. I'm going to read that last part again. We miss the essence, the heartbeat of salvation when we see it only as a historic event in our life when our sins were forgiven, or if it's no more than a past affirmation of our faith that assures us of getting to go to heaven. In other words, salvation is... Salvation is and should be experienced as more than just a get-out-of-jail-free card. Salvation is and should be experienced as more than just a get-out-of-jail-free card. Don't get me wrong. I am, I am looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to so many different aspects of heaven. I am grateful that I am grateful for, for Christ. I am thankful for the cross. I am thankful for the resurrection. I am beyond, I am indescribably grateful that I do not have to spend an eternity in the excruciating confines of hell, an eternal pain, an eternal torment, an eternal separation from God. I don't have to be forever separated 
separated from God and his indescribable love for me. I am excited about heaven. I've shared before. I mean, I'm excited. I've never met some of my grandparents. I've, I've, there are other believers. I've got a niece that is in heaven. I'm excited about being reunited with these folks. I am excited about my mansion in heaven. I am excited about worshiping all day long. I'm excited about the songs that we are going to sing. If you ask my mother, if you ever want to meet my mother, you won't meet her on this side of life. They live in Texas, but they, you probably will never meet them here. But if you ever want to meet my mother in heaven, I can tell you exactly where she's going to be living. She, her mansion is going to be right in between a Krispy Kreme and a Dairy Queen. <laughs> because calories don't count in heaven. And that's where my mother has told me for years that her mansion is going to be. I'm looking forward to all the aspects of heaven, but salvation is more than just that. Salvation is more than just heaven over hell. It's more than just like Dr. Rankin just stated. It's more than just that one moment in time or that historic event in the past. To make it a, a personal illustration, salvation is more than that one moment when I was seven years old and in my bed room, my father led me to faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is more than just that one moment. The purpose of the salvation experience ultimately, and you've heard me say this before, the purpose of the salvation experience is to restore our relationship to the God who created us for a relationship with him. And a relationship is just, is more than just the moment I met him. My relationship with Julie is more than just the moment that we said I do. My relationship with my girls is more than just the moment where the doctor held, uh, handed them to me and I held them for the first time. My relationship is more than just that and salvation is very much the same way. We are not saved just so that we can escape hell and get heaven. Salvation makes us something new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is saved, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed and see the new has come. And part of that new is the Holy Spirit living in and through us. So here's what's happening. Salvation exists in three tenses. I'm going to kind of go from preaching to teaching and back to preaching a little bit this morning. Salvation exists in three tenses, past, present, and future. And I'm still using Dr. Rankin here, credit where credit's due. The three tenses of salvation, past, present, and future, here's what they're saying. Number one, we have been saved. If you're taking notes, this is going to be good stuff to write down. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved, present life, from the power of sin. We will be saved from the presence of sin. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And we will be saved from the presence of sin. And that's what brings us to our psalm today, as well as the two surrounding it. We're going to take a look, a quick look at the bookends that surround the trilogy, the trilogy of the Good Shepherd, and then we're going to spend the remainder of our time picking up where we left off last week. Hope you've had a chance to do your homework from last week. 
Every now and then, I'm just going to throw out some homework to do each week. I hope you've had a chance, and I'm so grateful that Keith uh, led in prayer the way he did by opening us up with the 23rd Psalm, because the homework from last week was just at least take one day, if not multiple ones, and read the Psalm every day and see how far you could get in it before the Holy Spirit brought things to mind. So we're going to spend the remainder of our time this morning look at Psalm 23, but I want to take just a few minutes to look at the two surrounding it. Psalm 22 is going to be immediately familiar even if you don't have much of a Bible background. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Does that sound familiar? Where do we know that from? We know that from the cross. We know Jesus, good answer. It's a good Sunday answer, Jesus. We know it from the cross. We know it from Matthew chapter 27, We also know it from Mark chapter 15. Let's look at Mark's gospel uh, since we did that all this past spring. Mark chapter 15, verses 33 and 34. I know we put these things on the screen, but but always jot down the scriptures. Always jot down the scriptures. Make sure that you have the information to go back when you have your own time with the Lord and can look at these things. It's found in Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. It's found in Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verses 33 and 34. It says this, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani which is translated, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And if you go back into our Facebook page or our archives, you'll find a sermon that we did on that passage right around the Easter time, right around the, the April time when we were walking through the gospel of Mark together. And so that, that passage, we, we've preached on that, we'll preach on it again. But, but this, is what, this is what Jesus is doing here. It's the first verse of the summary of this psalm in Psalm 22, it's, it's the first verse summarizes the whole thing. In Psalm 22, the good shepherd dies for the sheep. When you look at this trilogy of Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24, it's a trilogy, and the first part of the trilogy is that the good shepherd dies for the sheep. When David was experiencing whatever it was that prompted him to write these words, God is using this passage as a messianic psalm, a savior type psalm. And this is what, this is what is coming to Christ's heart and mind as he is hanging on the cross. After Judas has betrayed him, after he's been arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, after Peter has denied him, after he has been falsely accused, after he has been mocked, after he has been beaten, after he has been nailed, to the cross at his wrists and at his feet after the crown of thorns has been shoved on his head after the cross has been lifted high and Jesus is hanging there suffocating on the cross for you and for me this is what comes to his heart and mind scripture as he is dealing with the pain as he is dealing with the physical pain as he is dealing with the emotional torment as he is dealing with the social isolation as he is dealing with the spiritual agony all for our sake scripture is what comes out of him Matthew chapter 12 Luke chapter 6 both both quote Jesus when he's teaching and he says for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart 
The mouth speaks from the overflow of the, of the heart. In other words, when you and I are put in tense situations, when you and I are backed into a corner, when you and I are in life's circumstances, we will know what's inside by what is going to come out. We know what's, we know what's being poured into us by what's inside and what comes out. And when Jesus is at this, we can't imagine what he is experiencing. We can't imagine what he is going through, not just the physical torment, not just the emotional pain, but the fact that in this moment when the sin of the world is being poured on him and God has to turn his back on his son and he feels abandoned by his father, scripture, the word of God is what comes out of our savior. That's encouraging for me to know. It's also challenging if we want to respond with grace, if we want to respond with power, if we want to respond with truth in tough times, in challenges, in trials, I fully recommend doing what Jesus did by making scripture a regular part of your diet. It cannot come out if it's not going in. And there is nothing on this side of life that can change this side of life for eternity other than the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And if it's going to come up, it's got to go in. There's so much more in Psalm 22, but for time's sake, we're gonna go ahead and look at Psalm 24, which is the conclusion of the Good Shepherd trilogy. Look at verse seven. Look at verse seven of Psalm 24. It says this, lift up your heads, you gates, rise up ancient doors, then the king of glory will come in. Verse eight, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Again, David doesn't necessarily know that he is prophesying, but this too is a messianic psalm. And where in Psalm 22, the good shepherd dies for the sheep, in Psalm 24, the good shepherd returns for the sheep and reigns for eternity. Verse eight, who is this king of glory? You don't have to turn there, but write down Revelation chapter four and chapter five. Just jot down Revelation four, Revelation five. In chapter four, verse two, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John, uh, the brother of James, John, the beloved, John, the disciple, John is having a vision. He's having a revelation and he sees a throne in heaven and he sees someone seated on it. And around the throne, around that throne are other thrones, 24 to be specific. And around those are, are 24 elders and then there are other living creatures. And verse 11 in Revelation tells us that they cast their crowns, they cast their crowns before the throne and they, before the, the one throne in the middle and they say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And then chapter five, verse six, John sees one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne. The first praise was to God. 
But then John sees one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne. And in verse 12, the same crowd that had just worshipped God on his throne, saying, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. That same crowd looks to the lamb now and says, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered. Worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb. And then John continues in verse 13, and he says, I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Who is this king of glory? His name is Jesus. And one day, Philippians chapter two, verses 10 and 11. And one day, Every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The good shepherd dies for the sheep, Psalm 22. The good shepherd returns for the sheep and reigns for eternity, Psalm 24. So where does that leave us in the middle with Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. The good shepherd lives for the sheep. The good shepherd lives for the sheep. And with that said, if you are physically able, I would invite you to join us as we stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Keith read it earlier. We're all going to read it together now. The 23rd Psalm, starting with verse 1, I invite you, as we have been in our summer series, to read it all with me, together out loud. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase and may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started because we have been in your presence. We have heard your voice and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I am not going to promise that we are going to make it all the way through the 23rd Psalm this week. It was kind of funny. I don't know the young man's name, but after I only got through verse one last week, I watched a young man walk up here to the platform and start looking through my notes to make sure that I didn't have more. And I was like, you're safe. It's going to be okay. What I do hope happens, though, is that we, we experience some measure of a demonstration of how, how to work through. There are times where we just need to read, where we don't need necessarily to dive. We just, we just need the words of Scripture to fall over us. 
There are some times where you will come and you won't hear a word I say because something just jumps out and you've heard God's word and the Holy Spirit has spoken through a song that we sang or just the reading of his word. But one of the things I'm hoping that we do through this summer in the Psalms is that we teach ourselves how to work through. Uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll be kind of uh, taught in a few weeks uh, by Dr. Donald Whitney, uh, who is the author of a book called Praying the Bible. It's a resource that I've been using for this series but how we can use the Psalms, how we can get God's word into our heart. We get God's word into our mind so that it is what comes up in the times of need. And so that's what my hope and my prayer is as we work through these passages of scripture. A passage like Psalm 23, as, as scripture be, continues to become a priority or a consistent practice, a celebrated spiritual discipline in our life, uh, a vital part of our relationship with God. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Your translation may say, I shall not want. That's the what. That's the, that's the, we talked a good bit about it last week, but verse one is the what. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. The remainder of the verses are the how. How does he provide the what? In what ways? Let's look at verse two. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Your translation might use the word still. What's he talking about? What's he after here? At first glance, when you just read it, it looks like he's talking about food and water. Um, pastures would be grass, waters would be water. <laughs> but ultimately, he is talking about rest. Isn't that such a great word? Say that word with me, rest. It's kind of like the word, it's, like, it's kind of like hearing that we're going to have an accordion player come and lead us. Doesn't the accordion just make you smile? stupidest instrument on the planet, but doesn't it make you smile? Just the word accordion. Say it with me again, not accordion, rest. Say rest. Rest. Doesn't that just bring your heart some joy? Parents of preschoolers, I singled you out earlier. Say that word. Parents of preschoolers. Yeah, rest. Sheep, like us, don't rest easily. I don't know about you, but I'm at a point in my life where my mind is spinning constantly. There's always something to do. There's always something that needs to be done. There's always some, somebody, somewhere, something. I don't, I don't rest. I, I sleep, but I don't always rest. Sheep don't rest easily. They are easily frightened. They're, they're jumpy. They're nervous. They're Davy. If, if left to themselves, sorry, that was a cheap shot, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I apologize and ask your forgiveness. Still funny, but I ask your forgiveness. If, if left to themselves, uh, they will just wander without purpose or direction. They won't lie down unless they know that they have food and plenty of it. And they won't, they won't lie down unless they know that they're safe. Then and only then will they allow themselves to rest. In Matthew chapter 11, write that down, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus looked at those following him and he said these words. He said, come to me, 
All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. What is a soul? A soul is the eternal part of us. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus is talking, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Before he was crucified, John chapter 14, before he was crucified, Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be fearful. I'm going to give you my peace so that you can rest. Psalm 23, verse two, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I can rest. And what does this rest do? What does it accomplish in our lives? Look at the first part of the next verse. When we rest, he renews our life. He restores us. He renews us. What this can mean in, in the Hebrew, uh, the, the phrasing can lead to the idea of coming to repentance or being converted, but the, the metaphor, because the metaphor is shepherding, the greater likelihood of the meaning is a situation known to shepherds as a cast sheep or a cast down sheep. And here's what, what's meant by that. Philip Keller, uh, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, says it this way. Uh, what happens is this, uh, a heavy Fat or, or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. It may roll on its side slightly to stretch out or, or scratch itself or relax. Suddenly, the center of, of gravity in the body shifts, so, so it turns on its back far enough that the feet no longer touch either side of the ground, and the sheep starts to feel a sense of panic, and it begins to, to paw around frantically, and this only makes things worse, and it just rolls itself over even further and it's impossible for the sheep to then regain its footing. And the bottom line is when this happens, the circulation gets cut off and it's only going to be a matter of time before the sheep dies. The only one who can restore the sheep to health and safety is the shepherd. The other sheep aren't going to just waddle over and go, let's do it. This isn't like reverse cow tipping. That sheep is doomed. That sheep is doomed. The only one that can restore the sheep to health and safety is the shepherd. Are we not like that sheep sometimes? We are spiritually speaking on our backs, panicking and helpless. But Jesus comes and Jesus restores us and he gets back on our feet and going again. Psalm chapter 40, verses two and three says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry for help. And here it is. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and he set my feet on a rock and he made my steps secure. There's time and time again where I will share Christ with somebody. I will talk about Christ's love. I will talk about Christ's forgiveness. And the first response to me will be, but you don't know what I've done. And, I, and I'm sitting here to tell you, I do care, but I don't 
care because whatever you have done, whatever you have done in the past, whatever your background looks like, whatever your previous life looks like, whatever sin you've been able to come up with, whatever sin you can imagine that is in your past, that is defined right here by the desolate pit and the muddy clay. And what my Bible says is that he'll bring you up out of it and he will set your feet on a rock. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he will make your path straight. He will set you on a rock. He will set you on firm ground. He will set you on steady footing. And then he will make your path straight and he will help you walk again. And then David continues this in that Psalm 40 verse. He says, and he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God. And, be, and many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. Let me go back to that illustration that you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've sinned. You don't know how I've failed. You don't know the flaws in my life. No, I don't, but he does. And here's what will happen. God will turn your life around. God will save you. God will cleanse you. God will forgive you. God will restore you. And then God will use your story to help somebody else's story. Because there are some of you that will reach people that would never listen to me because I can't identify with them. There are those of you who have overcome numerous obstacles. God has overcome numerous things in your life. God has, God has taken challenges from your life and he will use them if you will let him because he has put a new song in your mouth and they will see and they will trust in him because of the Jesus that they see in your life and in your walk. Don't ever discredit, don't ever discount your personal testimony, your walk with the Lord because of something that has happened in the past. It is the past. You are a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. Let him do it. Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. I wish I had more time. At some point, we will do a sermon series completely focused on the Psalm 23 and buckle up. <laughs> well, let me close with this. The good shepherd lives for the sheep. As you continue through Psalm 23, you will see that the shepherd provides guidance. He leads me along the right paths, verse three. You'll see that he provides safety, even in the darkest valley, verse four, I fear no danger. Even in the presence of my enemies, verse five, he provides safety. The good shepherd offers provision. Verse five says, my cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Not only do I have all that I need, my cup overflows week in and week out. I encourage you and I ask you to continue to be faithful in, the, in your giving of the tithes and offerings. And at some point, I just want you to know, I want to be so, I want just to overflow that we, we can't figure out enough things to do to serve our community. Though it's coming in at so great an impact that we, we can't give it away fast enough to impact the community for Jesus. 
please continue to be faithful. Please continue to give generously and graciously and expectantly that as we give, God is going to use it to impact the community around us because I want it to be our testimony, the testimony of us as individuals, but also the testimony of First Baptist Indian Lane that our cup overflows. Not only do we have what we need, but we have even more than we need because Jesus is going to impact this community in incredible ways to him be all the glory and honor and blessing and power in Christ Jesus. My cup overflows. He is definitely going to provide for all of our needs. Many of you have asked me about the projector. The projector is going to be about a $12,000 replacement. I'm not worried about it. That's not true. <laughs> I'm not worried about providing for it. Because my God will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I, I, I desperately want to build an annex between this building and the preschool building that has bathrooms in the back so that we can eliminate that obstacle of our worship time. And that's going to cost a little bit. But my God can provide that. I want, I want to start sending people on new, hello. I want to start sending. I said I wasn't worried, but I'm not stupid. I love you. I leave everything to the girls. Um, God will provide. I want, I want, I want to send folks on mission trips. I want to overwhelm Hoover Middle School. I want to overwhelm Indy Atlantic Elementary so incredibly that they're drawn to my Savior. He'll provide everything that we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I want. I have everything I need. He provides guidance. He provides safety. He provides provision and ultimately, he'll offer a home, an eternal home. Verse 6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. John 10.10 10 is my life verse. Jesus is speaking. And the whole chapter uses this analogy of the sheep and the shepherd. And he says this in John 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, the enemy, Satan, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Now, when you hear me talk about money and you hear me talk about uh, overflowing, don't, don't think that the gospel is about health and wealth because as Christians, we are going to experience tough times. We are going to experience tough times. If you're not going through a trial, you're, you may be in a trial. If you're not going through or in a trial, you, you may be coming out of one. If you're not going through one or coming out of one, you, you just keep your eyes open because one is probably on its way. The gospel does not hinder us from experiencing life and life circumstances. We, we are not in this to become wealthy. Don't ever imagine that we're going to be a wealthy church because as soon as we can, we're going to give it away to bless people for the kingdom. 
I, I just want to be a conduit. I just want to be a conduit. That's not what I'm talking about. When I use words like abundance, it supersedes any understanding. It is not natural. It is supernatural. Remember the three tenses of salvation, past, present, and future. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. The good shepherd dies for the sheep, Psalm 22. We will be saved from the presence of sin. The good shepherd is going to return for the sheep, and he's going to reign for all eternity, Psalm 24. But we are being saved, this present life, from the power of sin. The good shepherd lives for the sheep. Jesus said, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And here's what I believe. I believe that we go way too quick to that verse just meaning eternity. I do believe it means that the other side of life. I do believe when he talks about that you may have life and have it more abundantly, I do believe that Jesus is telling us that we can have eternal life through him. We can spend eternity with him in his presence with his love, with his indescribable love, with his indescribable joy, with his indescribable peace, we can experience that for all eternity in heaven with him. I firmly believe that. But what I also believe that Jesus is telling us as believers, us as believers, is that while we are still on this side of life, we can also experience all that he has in store for us. That joy, that peace, that love, those relationships, they can happen on this side of life as well. In him. Before you leave today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love nothing more than to talk with you when the service is done. I would love nothing more than to talk with you about the ultimate good shepherd who wants to give you life and life more abundantly the good shepherd who died for you, the good shepherd who is gonna come back and reign for all eternity, but also the good shepherd who lives in and through us so that we can navigate this life. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would love nothing more. Karen would love nothing more. Julie would love nothing more. Tony, Carly would love nothing more. Phil Gay, Dick Smith, Kelly, Will, they'd love nothing more than to tell you about a relationship with Jesus before you leave today. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Father, thank you for another day. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for your example. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. Father, I pray that your word, I pray that I've not gotten in your way, but I pray that your word has been free and your Holy Spirit has been free to speak to us in a life-changing way. And that as we leave this place, we are more like you than when we walked in, ready to impact and love on our community, our family, our workplaces, our neighbors in ways that you have designed for us. Father, I pray that you would do something incredible in and through us this week because we give today, we give this week to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night or we'll see you next Sunday. Bring somebody with you. Have a great week.